I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. We continue to read the Gospels chronologically, and so we'll be looking at all four Gospels today in the reading. And uh, we're at the last of the six illegal trials concluded before Pilate. The date here is Nisan 14. It's the Passover day. This is the day that Jesus is crucified. We'll be looking at passages in Matthew 27, verses 31 to 44, Mark chapter 15, verses 20 to 32, Luke chapter 23, verses 26 to 43, and John chapter 19, verses 4 through 27. We begin today with John chapter 19, verses 4 through 15, where Pilate works to appease the angry crowd. Verse 4. Pilate therefore went forth again, and saith unto him, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from henceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, if thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Now, this passage is a continuation by John of the sixth trial of Jesus leading up to his crucifixion. And this is his second appearance before Pilate. This trial began back in John chapter 18, verse 39, and it continues here. You'll notice that uh, John doesn't record the intermission taken by Pilate from this ordeal when he sent Jesus to Herod in Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 16. Neither do Matthew nor Mark record that. That being the case, when one just reads the accounts of Matthew, Mark, and John, you're left with the impression that Jesus only appeared before Pilate just one time. 
and that this is a continuation of trial number four. However, Luke's the one who puts it into perspective by letting us know that this is the second appearance of Jesus before Pilate. This incident, by the way, takes place after Jesus has been scourged, mocked with crowns of thorns, and tortured by the Roman guards. You can imagine that Jesus' physical appearance at this point in time must have been distasteful. It would appear that Pilate is thinking that the Jewish leadership will look upon Jesus in this condition and say, Hey, enough's enough. No, these people want Jesus crucified. Pilate then tries to pass the responsibility off to them, but they pull out the big guns in verse 7 when they proclaim, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. The Jewish leaders are undoubtedly invoking Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16, which says, And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him, as well the stranger, as he that is born in the land when he blasphemeth the name of the Lord, shall be put to death. Now, let me share with you a personal observation with my informed opinion regarding the circumstances and tactics of these angry Jewish leaders. At this point in Jesus' earthly ministry, many of the everyday Jews were losing respect for the corrupt leadership and giving heed to the teachings of Jesus. Because of this large-scale popularity among the Jewish populace, The Jewish leadership had devised a way to find and capture Jesus at night when the people wouldn't see their anti-Jesus actions. Judas provided the betrayal they needed and allowed them to capture Jesus in an obscure spot in the garden way after nightfall when the multitudes had bedded down for the night. All of the six trials had taken place in the wee hours of the morning while regular old Jews were sleeping. Here's the plan. When these Jews, the little people, when these regular people wake up, they need to see Jesus being put to death by Romans, not by the Jewish leadership. The Roman judgment hall here is packed with anti-Jesus Jewish leaders, not common Jews. Now, on the other hand, to the typical common Jew, Jesus was popular among the people when he bedded down that night. But he's being crucified by the Roman government itself when he woke up. What a full night that had been. Undoubtedly, the Jewish leadership felt that if the entire process involving their sinister actions could just take place during the night, then they felt like they'd be held guiltless by the Jewish people. By the next morning, it looks as though a Roman campaign had mounted to put a stop to Jesus. I'm relatively certain that most of the Jewish populace had no idea whatsoever that this whole crucifixion had been orchestrated, in fact, by their very own Jewish leaders. Now, Pilate's job was just to keep peace in his territory. Now his judgment hall here is filled with Jews crying for the immediate execution of Jesus. Pilate senses the dilemma. It's interesting here that Jesus actually comforts Pilate at that point in verse 11 when he tells Pilate, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. 
Subsequently, Pilate, well, he wants to release Jesus. But notice verse 12. It says, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. The Jewish leadership, they're so determined to have Jesus crucified, they make an unimaginable statement in verse 15. The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Now, these Jewish leaders, they live their lives looking forward to the overthrow of the Roman government. But here, they make a proclamation like this for their own wicked self-interest. John reports in John 19.14 that this proceeding took place about the sixth hour. John is apparently the only gospel writer to render the time using the Roman convention for doing so. Mark reports in Mark 14.25 and says this, And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. That means three hours from the beginning of the day, or sunrise, making it about nine o'clock or so. The abbreviation AM represents a Latin phrase, anta meridium, which means before noon. That usage began in Rome during the 4th century B.C. and originally counted backwards from when the sun reached its highest point during the day. So when John reports about the sixth hour, he's referring to six hours before the sun reached its highest point, placing it in the 6 a.m. range for this trial. Perhaps a little later by our clock since John uses the preposition about and the precise time of the Meridium, that day cannot be known. Next, we have the trip to Golgotha reported by all four of the Gospel writers. We'll be looking at Matthew 26, verses 31 to 33, Mark 15, verses 20 to 22, Luke 23, 26 to 33, and John chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. First, Matthew 26, verse 31. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear the cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull. Now over to Mark chapter 15, verse 20. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him into the place Golgotha, which is, being interpreted, the place of a skull. Now Luke chapter 23, verse 26. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming, in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. 
Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Now the two verses of the same account in John chapter 19, verse 16. Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. Jesus bears his own cross as they head to the place of crucifixion here. However, along the way, a man is solicited to assist. His name is Simon, who was from Cyrene. Only Luke records Jesus speaking to the women who were following along when he prophesies of the coming persecution. In less than 40 years after the crucifixion, Jerusalem would undergo a massive assault by the Roman army. Josephus, in his book, War of the Jews, book 6, chapter 3, reports that some mothers were reduced to eating their children during the famine in Rome's siege against Jerusalem in A.D. 66-70. You'll recall that Jesus had already prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem back in Matthew 24, verse 2, and Luke 21, verse 6. Jesus draws from the words of Hosea chapter 10, verse 8 here, in verse 20 of Luke 23, when he quotes, Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. Jesus here is likely making reference to the coming destruction of Jerusalem with these words. Then we have Jesus on the cross, reported by, again, all four of the Gospel writers. Be looking at Matthew 27, verses 34 to 44, Mark chapter 15, verses 23 to 32, Luke chapter 23, verses 34 to 43, and John chapter 19, verses 18 to 24. Matthew 27, 34. They gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God, thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth that takes us to mark's account of the same occasion on the cross in mark 15 beginning with verse 23 
And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was a third hour, and they crucified him, and the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priest mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Now to Luke's account in Luke 23, beginning with verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with him that derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss." And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And finally, John's account, beginning with John 19, verse 18. Where they crucified him and two other with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now that we've read all four of these passages, let's notice that when they parted the garment of Jesus and cast lots for it, all four gospel writers record it, but only Matthew and John relate the action to a fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy by David in Psalm twenty-two, eighteen. 
It's also interesting here that the Jewish leaders have still not received sufficient satisfaction. Here they are standing beneath and mocking Jesus upon the cross. Only Mark in Mark 15:28 makes the link between Isaiah's prophecy and Isaiah 53:12 which says, "And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors." Now, that's a reference to Jesus being crucified with criminals. However, Luke records that one of those criminals trusts Jesus for salvation, and he's received by Jesus that day in Luke twenty-three forty-three. All four Gospels record that sign placed upon the cross of Jesus that read, This is the King of the Jews. It was written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, Only John records how much this irritated the Jewish leadership. They wanted it reworded, but Pilate refused. You'll notice that the Jewish leadership persists in their ridicule of Jesus even as he's hanging on the cross. Why? Well, it's important to them to dispel any belief among the common Jewish masses that Jesus is the Messiah. Therefore, they make a point to note that Jesus, who performed so many miracles during his earthly ministry, is not delivering himself from this very cruel death. To them, this taunting should prove to the masses that Jesus is not the Messiah. Next, we have the three Marys at the cross in verses 25 to 27 of John chapter 19. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. What a horrifying sight it would be as a mother to see your innocent son being tortured and crucified. Jesus, however, assigns the responsibility of his mother's welfare to the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, most scholars agree that this is a reference to John himself. The other two Marys at the cross here were Mary Magdalene and Mary the wife of Cleophas, Cleophas also known as Alphaeus, and also mother of James, one of the twelve apostles. She was Mary's sister, according to verse 25. Two sisters named Mary must indicate the popularity of the name Mary during that period. As a matter of fact, archaeologists have speculated from the inscriptions on ossuaries that approximately 25% of all women during that period of time, Jewish women, were named Mary. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.